Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Agroni from the internet, California, and flying a small plane clad with cameras so he can get those pictures of Spider-Man. It's Will Ashton. Hey. How's the internet Pennsylvania treating you? It's okay. Very, very weird weather this week. It's like gone from like 100 degrees at the beginning of the week to like cool fall breeze. So hmm. That's not yeah. too far off from the internet, California, weirdly enough. Huh. Yeah, got really hot, and then now we're kind of it's cooling down. That's uh, now that we've talked about the weather, some good small yeah. talk from the broadband <laughs> basement. But right now he's just going by Schaefer for some reason and refuses to give us all a raise. It's Soundmaster Maverick Hines, aka Schaefer. I I would, I would take Schaefer's job. Seems sweet. <laughs> well, if you don't know what I'm talking about with planes and Schaefer, that is of course a couple of references to our featured movie of this week, American Made, starring Tom Cruise and directed by Doug. Lyman. Uh, not only are we going to be talking about American Made, we're going to be reviewing quite a bit in our mini reviews. We're going to be reviewing Battle of the Sexes, uh, the new Netflix comedy special Jerry Before Seinfeld, which is actually kind of a documentary at the same time. We'll talk about it. Star Trek Discovery Season 1, Stronger, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. It's kind of a part two from last week. And we're going to finish with a little teaser for our next upcoming last call. So stick around for that. But you know what, guys? Let's start off with something... Uh, a little. Let's start off with some feedback from the listeners. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a cinemaholic email us and ask us if we had watched 9-11, starring uh, Charlie Sheen, I believe. And this this was a movie that has been just destroyed by critics. And it was something that. Uh, well, why, why did you not catch 9-11? Why did I not catch it? Uh, I didn't have a screening for it, and I'm cheap. <laughs> I didn't want to pay money to see 9-11. Respect. <laughs> Good sentence. That's a weird sentence. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's one of the weirdest sentences I've ever heard. Can't afford 9-11. Sorry. I don't disagree. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. can't afford 9-11. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, Alex emailed us and asked us uh, if we had if we were going to watch it and review it. And, you know, he, apparently Alex had seen it. So I was like, hey, why don't you tell us what you thought of 9-11? So Alex wrote us uh, an email detailing his thoughts and said, the this this is Alex's Alex's own mini review, if you will. So, be sure if you want to email us anything in regards to what you think about the latest movies coming out, especially if it's something we haven't seen yet. Remember, you can always email us at cinemahawkspodcast at gmail This is what Alex had to say: Nine Eleven is a movie that released a few weeks ago with little fanfare and word of mouth. There aren't many people talking about this movie, but is that lack of attention really deserved? The movie stars actors whose names we still recognize but have been out of the limelight for a few years, like Charlie Sheen and Whoopi Goldberg. I think Charlie Sheen got kicked out of anger management or the show, or that's the last thing I remember him from. Uh, probably both, like actual <laughs> anger management and the show. Alex goes on, the entire movie takes place on September 11, 2001. The main premise is that a small group of diverse individuals get trapped in an elevator together in one of the towers once the attacks begin. This is where the majority of the movie takes place, inside an elevator. And you can imagine, when given a premise like that, there is a ton of dialogue in this movie, more so than the action sequences. But even then, the movie manages to not be boring and to keep your interest. It's intriguing to see this group of people talk and get to know each other while stuck in a situation where no one knows what the outcome will be. This isn't to say that the movie is lacking in action sequences. There is a ton of tension throughout the film, especially since we as the audience know how the events of that day turn out. 
The movie has an incredibly effective and moving ending, and it's one that stayed with me since seeing the movie, which can be rare these days. Would I recommend this movie? Yeah, but don't go into it expecting to see a $100 million budget with tons of explosions and green screens. He said CGI explosions, sorry. At its core, 9-11 is a small movie about friendship and camaraderie through immense adversity, and a movie with such a universal message can be enjoyed by anyone from any background, and Alex's final grade for the movie was a B-. minus. Will Ash, yeah. n- none of us have seen this movie 9-11. What, did, what, did, what do you think? Did, has Alex swayed you? Because he, he is a voice in the wilderness. Um mm-hmm in terms of like people who like this film. Yeah. I mean, I cannot personally see any way I end up liking this movie, at least intentionally. So I, I mean, I'm curious to see it just to see if it's as questionable as some reviews made it out to be, but I'm glad he liked the movie. I mean, I was asking Maverick and I, I hope he answers this. Was he born after nine 11? He doesn't say. So yeah, I was, I was wondering if you could the, answer that. I, I know I know very few things about Alex. Other than that, his first three emails were not too kind to me. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm just kidding. Alex I love you. I'm just curious if he's past. looking at this like from perspective of someone who's like since their birth has like 9/11 has been a part of their lives. Well, I mean, yeah, he might have been very very young or something like that. Right. You know? Alex, tell us how old you are, where say, you live, Alex, and everything about you. Alex writes very well. Uh, his his entire review is very well written. So I would I would say that Alex. You know, I would not question his clarity and his ability to articulate his feelings on this film. No, 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 no. I'm not questioning that. I'm just was curious how he's he's viewing the film. I just think you know if he's got problems with me, that I, I he think must. You and have Alex some, need to hug this. Out. He's got some poor judgment. I think. Oh, wow. I'm just kidding. I, I think no- he's never released anything mean about you. But you know. oh, you know what? Let's dig through the archives. <laughs> I felt attacked. <laughs> yeah. Did he like call you like a critic in quotation marks or something like that? Yeah, Ooh, that, that was, was the one. Yeah. Oh man, that's see what I'm saying, <laughs> Alex. We can still be friends, but I'm on to you. All right, well, Alex, you have you have two friends here, and uh, maybe three, maybe well, maybe Maverick will come around one day. But uh, thank you again so much for emailing us and letting us know your thoughts on 9/11. We really appreciate it because we hadn't got the movie, and now we have a mini review for everybody. So uh, yeah. again, don't forget, always be feel free to, to give us some feedback on the show, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Cinemaholics. I think it's just Cinemaholics, not Cinemaholics podcast, right? Yeah, we dropped the podcast. It's just just Cinemaholics. Cinemaholics. Yep. Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, just find us there. And, and uh, tweet at us. We have a Twitter, right? Yeah, we have a Twitter. Yeah, do We're, that. We tweet with people. Um, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on things. He does a good job. You know what? I will end up seeing 9-11. Thanks, Alex. Alex, Alex has swayed you. That's awesome. I, I, I'm looking yeah. forward to your rebuttal. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll probably be when it's on DVD and I can get it for free, but I, I will see it eventually. That's my promise to you, Alex. Well, um, to have of all red boxes everywhere, thank you, Alex. Yeah. Uh, let's <laughs> move on to our feature review for this week. We are talking about American Made. All right. I don't know where to really start with this one, so I'll just start with the synopsis. Uh, a pilot lands work for the CIA and as a drug runner in the South during the 1980s. It was directed by Doug Lyman. It was written by Gary Spinelli, kind of a newcomer in terms of like mainstream movies. The film stars Tom Cruise, Donald Gleason, Sarah Wright, and Jesse Plemons is in this, believe it or not. Uh, you blink and you'll miss him. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones, uh, Jamie Mays, and many more. And uh, the film is about, it's about an hour, 55 minutes, so just a little bit short of two hours. And it is kind of like an action biography and a comedy all kind of put together i think some people have called it a dark comedy at times um i would say i would not give this label drama so that is probably accurate and uh yeah so uh from the outset i'll say like 
the marketing for American made guys did not hook me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was telling John when we left the movie, I I feel like one of my frequent complaints when we talk about movies is that the trailer makes me like the trailer shows a movie that we didn't see. Mm -hmm. And I think that happened to me with this movie, but like on the opposite way, right? Like the trailer showed me a movie that I wasn't interested in. And the, I think the movie was better than what, what we were shown. And you know what? I'll just say like the only reason I was really like, okay, I'm going to give this movie a chance is because it was directed by Doug Lyman, who I think has a very impressive filmography. Uh, he's definitely a director that I don't think a lot of people think of when they're like, you know, oh yeah, that's, you know, they, they don't get that excited about him, but he's done some great films um, mm-hmm. and some some misses here and there. Will, you saw one of uh, his other movie from this year, The Wall, and yeah, you, did. Did, you did a whole mini review for it. And I kind of remember mm-hmm. you were kind of like, eh, it was all right with that one, right? No, 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 no. Actually, I thought it was one of the better surprises of 2017 you were in i think your grade was like in b territory i don't want to put yeah but i mean still that. like i i was not expecting anything from it and i walked away pleasantly surprised hmm. i just had a couple issues with the ending like i think if it had a better ending i probably wouldn't give it like a b plus or an a minus but yeah i mean it was like a firm b it wasn't like a half-hearted b gotcha gotcha well uh, i've enjoyed a lot of his movies uh, i was a big fan of edge of tomorrow did you see that one maverick no. edge of tomorrow you you should see it i own it Movie night. I'm on. It's on. That's that's a good one. The, the sequel is going to be coming out eventually. Live, die, repeat, and repeat. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, did you like Edge of Tomorrow, Will? I did. Yeah, it was fun. I've been meaning to revisit it because I remember it be another kind of pleasant surprise at the box office, or a, or a pleasant surprise going to the theaters. Yeah. But at the box office, it was a uh, underperformer. What about uh, Jumper? Uh, I wasn't wild about Jumper past like the first twenty minutes. I thought it had a cool premise, but it kind of got convoluted. Jumper is a guilty pleasure of mine. And you know what? That is a movie I've only seen a couple of times, but I remember mm -hmm. it really well. So that's how I know I'm like, okay, I'm justified in liking that one. Right on. Um, There's also Mr. and Mrs. Smith and uh, The Firstborn Identity, Swingers, uh, a few others. Did you do Go? Yeah. Yeah. 1999, 1998. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So Doug Lyman, very impressive director. And so that was kind of my... Those are my expectations going in. I was really hoping for a great collaboration between Doug Lyman and Tom Cruise, like we got in Edge of Tomorrow. But Will Ashton, lay it on us. What is what? Is, what is the deal with this movie? It's it's based on the true story of Barry Seal. Uh, how how did it work for you? All right, yeah. So like you guys, I was kind of. I mean, I wasn't super persuaded by what I was seeing in the trailer. I think I was a little more enthusiastic than you were, but I just didn't quite have that same enthusiasm that I had for some other movies this September. It just looked like, hey, that might be like a fun, you know, night of movies, but nothing like mandatory. And I mean, I haven't watched um, Narcos, so maybe my opinion on the film might be influenced by that. But overall, I thought it was pretty good and kind of like a by numbers, like stereotypical biopic sort of way. I mean, I didn't think there's anything about this movie that really wowed me as much as his past two films. But at the same time, I did really enjoy it as like a slice of entertainment. And I also think, I mean... I don't know if you guys had this as much. It really struck me as very, very influenced by Goodfellas to the oh, point yeah. where, mm-hmm. like, I think it was kind of distracting more than anything else. Kind of the same, like, with War Dogs last year was almost trying to go out of its way to, like, appease Martin Scorsese and be, like, on his good list. But, <laughs> I mean, that deterred me a little bit. But, I mean, the film itself, I think, stands on its own because it is generally pretty entertaining, even though it is a little bumpy at times, I think. There were some issues with the pacing, certainly around the middle that didn't, that kind of uh, put me on the other side of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like the film. Yeah. 
Um, I think I liked it a little bit more than you, because like yeah, it sounds like it. I think so because I actually the the by the numbers biopic is something I would not say about this movie. I think that they did. I think Lyman and Cruz did something kind of unique with this, it, and I think it okay. surprised me in the same ways. I would say it's about as good as Edge of Tomorrow, even though it's a diff- totally different genre. I I really dug the style here. I really dug it. I thought that it was like a did great you idea. Dug Wait, what? Did I dug Lyman. It. <laughs> I dug it. Uh, just, I, I really like what he did here with like the saturation, the way that it was a documentary, kind of like they used documentary techniques to remind you that this was based on a true story. And I, the zaniness of it all, I think was captured really well. I had more problems with things like the substance for sure. But in terms of like the filmmaking and the style, like, I don't think I don't I don't think that I knew that was formulaic. I thought I thought that was good. I don't know uh, what did what did you think, Maverick? Especially about the the middle parts. Uh, I think I'm more in line with you. I I, didn't, I don't think I had as much problem with it. I I can see where I was coming from, where I guess some of the uh, middle sections could have felt a little bit weird with the pacing, but like it was never an issue for me. I you know what I mean. And and that's that's one thing I can really give credit to this movie because I went in expecting to be like bored, not interested in this movie. Um, will you, or. John, you said the only reason you were interested in the movie in the first place because of the director. I was interested because of Narcos, because I got a little sample mm. of this story from watching Narcos, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, and that was that was really the only good vibe I had going into this. So I, I think I was pleasantly surprised. Did either of you guys know the story before you saw the movie? I knew parts I, of it. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it, really, except for what the trailer told me. That's okay. That makes sense because you would know parts of it from Narcos. Mm-hmm. Did you know like how everything kind of plays out ultimately? Because I don't think Narcos covers that. No, not not the ultimate end. No, they cover the pretty famous stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big CIA stuff in the in the yeah yeah yeah. So I I would say like I did know kind of how things play out, and I think it is a testament to like if you are familiar with this story at all. Like I didn't know every detail of it. I do know that they like played fast and loose with the facts <laughs> many times, uh, but I think they did that for entertainment value. So I give it a pass. Especially like, there's nothing more interesting or more Doug Lyman and Tom Cruise than a car chase with planes. Like that. That yeah. to me, that was like the moment where I was like, I'm having fun with this movie as a movie. I'm not just sort of sitting here absorbing. I'm getting into it. I'm yeah. like, I'm feeling like I'm in the cockpit. And that's what I, I, I really praise movies that can do that, even if they falter in like all kinds of other ways. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I, I'm, I'm pretty much in line with what you're thinking. I think this is one of the few times John and I've walked out of a movie together and been like, like, yeah, we're on the same page on this one. For a two hour um, movie. You know, like yeah. that doesn't happen often. I think like Spider-Man was like the last time we watched a really long, or I guess Kingsman just last week. So and never it, mind. wasn't it pretty long? Yeah. And I felt, I felt that one, but I still liked it. Yeah, that's um, true. Kingsman, I was like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I would have turned around and watched it again. Well, what did you think of Tom Cruise's performance? In a way, I mean, he is this movie. If he doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. Where are you at with him? Yeah. I mean, what I liked about the film, I mean, we... We're kind of suggesting that the movie takes place in the 80s. I think his performance kind of reminds me a lot of those kind of 80 film, 80s films like, you know, Top Gun, stuff like that that he was in before, where it's very much carried on his star power and that he is expected to kind of hold the film on his shoulders. And I thought it was really nice to see him in kind of a charismatic down-to-earth role, because I like that Doug Lyman, especially in Edge of Tomorrow, humanized him or kind of brought him down to ground floor yeah. more so than like... 
Mission Impossible, where he is like basically invincible to like the nth degree. Whereas that movie, they killed him several hundred thousand times, and you kind of sympathize with him just because he's just going through this thing over and over and over again. Uh, in this movie, he, I mean, I was really impressed just by how much of a Joe show, uh, like just an average Joe that he is, especially considering all the stuff that goes on in his life, because he does have that kind of, you know, like he's char- he's like a charismatic dad almost, like he's just like a guy that like. He's more charismatic than everyone else at the base, like that's uh, on the little league team, but or running the little league team. But he is definitely kind of like you know he's not like a movie star like Tom Cruise is in real life. And I thought it was probably one of his best performances in a while, especially since Edge of Tomorrow. Cruise doesn't usually play an antihero, and it's funny because he just played an antihero in The Mummy, which was that an antihero though? Work. Like, I yeah. mean, well, he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be like a roguish, you know, break the rules kind of military guy. But then the movie slides him into the conventional protagonist. You know, it was like an idea that they had for the character, but they didn't actually. He wasn't a fully realized antihero. Uh, and he, yeah, I, I would say that like in the last decade or so, he he's definitely taken on like roles of just being base a basically good person. You know, he might have a few you know cracks in his armor. But I like that in here, he's having a good time bringing his charisma into somebody that should not be likable, somebody who did terrible things. One of the things that I love the most about this movie is all of the all the questions that it raises about moral relativism, uh, the idea of like how the audience roots for a person who, on the one hand, did a lot of terrible things. He's also responsible for really good things that happen. He's also responsible for terrible things that happen. He's mm-hmm. a very murky person. And what I like about the movie is that it doesn't, it lays it all out. And I don't think it gives you a directive on what to think about this guy. Uh, I think it does in terms of like the government, (laughs) you know, like they really don't pull any punches with that. But I do think like uh, in in an interview, I remember uh, Cruz gave, uh, he, he kind of said it. He was like, we were interviewing people to find out more about, you know, what Barry Seal was like during this time. And everybody had amazing things to say about him. And yet he was such a flawed person. Everybody seemed to love him while he was doing all of this stuff. And I thought that the movie does a good job of bringing that stuff to life in a believable way. Well, they, they even allude to that a little bit where uh, the sheriff and his sister, like for a quick scene, they have a confrontation where the sheriff is like, he's good people. He's doing great things for this town. But it's like, you know, it's clear. It makes you wonder. Yeah. yeah and justify the means, you know. But yeah, I think that you can actually make a few decisions on well, the results after you get through the entire movie. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, I, I really enjoy the chaos of this movie. Um, well, I think at one point you said something about the pacing. Yeah. I mean, I was a little uh, thrown off by like, I, I thought the middle of it kind of felt a little clunky. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but like, it just kind of felt like it was a little bumpy in the middle of the film for me. But I might be the only one that thinks that for this one. I would say like a handful of scenes felt kind of like they were made for the trailer. And I think the movie could have cut a little bit, maybe. Sure, yeah. And maybe that would have helped. I don't know. I want to say that like whenever I started to feel a little bit like... uh, The movie would always put me back in because it had like such an energy to it. Like I was entertained the entire time. Like I was never noticing stuff like that. Okay. I bet I would notice it the second time. So you you might have a good point there. Yeah, I mean... I think my issue, that's like more an issue I have with most biopics, because like this is a movie that's like only really two hours long, but kind of feels like two and a half hours. Not like in a bad way, just kind of like feels like it's a two and a half hour film. It's a big movie. I can't wait to talk about Battle of the Sexes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, and Maverick, 
you, did you really say anything about Tom Cruise at all? Or I, kinda... I'm not like the biggest Tom Cruise fan. I don't really have an opinion on him as an actor. Maybe it's because I'm named after one of his movies and I just have like a chip on my shoulder. Is that but... Cocktail? What? Which one is it? Cocktail? What? Maverick. Which, which, oh, Maverick. I forgot that he was in Maverick. I apologize. I haven't seen that one. Wait, Will, what did you just say? I, did, I forgot that he was in Maverick, the movie. He was in. Was he in Maverick the movie? Top Gun. He was in Top Gun, where he was, was named that? Maverick. Okay, it's been a while since I've seen Top Gun. Well, who's in Maverick? Is that Mel Gibson? I don't know. Okay, Probably. Never. never yeah. <laughs> Threw me for a loop there, Will. Uh, <laughs> what was I saying? I'm, get, I'm getting my '80s and '90s movies mixed up. Yeah. Uh, basically, I don't. I don't really have an opinion on him. I thought he did like you know fine for the role for what um for what this movie was kind of making it more like i said like a hollywood kind of like yeah. 80s a little bit of like a party movie at times too um but i think i would have liked to see i don't i don't have anyone in mind like i don't really know like who i would have rather done it and i don't know if there is someone well, i would have picked but like maybe a little bit more the, the scenes for me that i just like wasn't interested in were like the little home video clips that were kind of like used as transitions it's just like i don't know i just felt like him in those was just too cheesy at times okay well what did you think of that style like when things would get grainy or they would use clips and do all that stuff because that was the stuff i actually really liked no, okay let me clarify i didn't mean all of like the just little the transition video. just the home video ones uh, i like the other ones you mean like what the yeah the tapes that he recorded yeah yeah those things those i was just like i think I will agrees with you right because you were saying yeah. like the ray liotta stuff yeah yeah i mean i think i didn't mind the video stuff because it actually looked like he was recording on a video because usually that's the stuff that bothers me is like when they're like have a like a handheld camera and it looks like a high-end quality you know hd camera that like only a hollywood producer would have lying around their house but this movie actually looked like an old vhs tape so i i guess that those segments didn't really bother me I, you're talking more about his performance though in those scenes maverick yeah yeah well both yeah. i didn't like the scenes and i didn't like the way he was acting in them hmm. as much okay one thing i did like about his performance though is that he is genuinely pretty funny because i feel like for yeah. a good stretch of his career he was like very stoic and stuff except for like occasional roles like in uh melancholy or magnolia and stuff where he would kind of play a little more goofy but i feel like he's just a naturally <laughs> goofy dude yeah. and so i like that he kind of is owned up to that like post tropic thunder and like he doesn't do like any the, running here uh yeah i guess not i was trying to think if he did and i guess he didn't he does he rides a bike well he, then he, he was trying to run away from the or from the police at one point but that was like a like a jolt more than anything else but yeah he doesn't do like a sprint like yeah, he usually yeah. does and uh i think it should be said that the stunts in here are really good i thought that uh so like he actually like flew planes like they shot him flying these planes and like they went to a lot of these locations in, in Colombia. they actually like camped out in like very dangerous places just to get the right shots on and i appreciated that I, you can see it like it it does kind of lend some authenticity to the movie that said, I mean, there is a little bit of weirdness here because um, a couple of people actually died while this movie was made. Yeah, I heard about there that. There was a plane crash. Yeah. yeah. So there is there is that question of like, did they push it too far? Like hmm. putting people's lives in danger. That's a discussion for a different episode of Cinemaholics. Sure. But uh, yeah. That said, uh, another thing I wanted to bring up was uh, Cruz doesn't do a lot of biopics for like, how, I mean, he, he makes a lot of movies, right? Um and the two that I think of are Born on the Fourth of July and a far more recent one, Valkyrie. And Maverick, have you seen either of those ones? Nope. Valkyrie? Will? I saw Valkyrie. I haven't seen Born on the Fourth of July, but isn't Born on the Fourth of July like 
widely considered like one of his like three best performances. For sure. I mean, it was before Few Good Men, but yeah. it was kind of like, yeah, it was that kind of vein because it was about, I think, Vietnam. Um, I don't remember like much about that movie, but uh, I would say for sure people should check it out. It's an older one. It's like, it's after he came out with Top Gun. It's, it's an interesting mm-hmm. moment in his career, I think, when he was going, it was like when he was starting to do more prestige films. Yeah, that uh, kind of uh, right, yeah. solidified him as like a serious actor, I remember. Yes. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. I mean, people, but people know him more for A Few Good Men because that was mm-hmm. really like when uh, he started to get, you know, acclaim, yeah. I guess you could say. Um, what did you guys think of the other performances? Donald Gleason is in this. I really enjoyed him as Schaefer. I really enjoyed what he was doing here. I don't think, I don't think that's a popular opinion, but do you guys agree? I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I agree. I thought you did a good job. Yeah, his character was fun, and I think he brought, like, a really cool... Like, he, he was really good at being kind of, like, aloof and distant, but still being kind of funny. And, like, I, I just thought his, his character and his performance were, like, a really good balance to what Cruz was doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sarah Wright was in this. Yeah, um, she, she definitely said lines yeah. and appeared on set. I think a downside <laughs> of the movie is that her her character is one of the most important characters, and she didn't feel that way. Because uh, an issue I do have with the movie is that Cruz is the what Cruz is doing with Barry Seal is like there's no examination really yeah. of like Barry Seal like you don't really get that moral conflict it's supposed right. to be coming from his wife and it happens once or twice but then I don't know it just it feels like the movie forgets that and then she just sort of becomes a reactionary character mm-hmm. and I I thought that was kind of a weird choice I mean maybe it was true to life. Um, but for storytelling purposes, it kind of made me feel less sympathetic for both him and her, honestly. Did you guys get a feeling for that? No, I definitely did. I think I don't think the movie forgot about her, per se. I just think it had so much to do yeah. that it just kind of like, she just got kind of left in the distance, which is a shame because the end of it, like you said, kind of expects you to kind of get, like, that's supposed to be the heart of the film at the end of the film. Yeah. And, like, I think that's a big reason why I kind of left the film a little, like, half-hearted because, like, by that point, I was like, uh, like, I didn't. I didn't really super feel for the relationship because it just didn't like connect to me. So I think that was a big issue. I agree. And I, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I think part of that is because it's just hard to buy Tom Cruise with an actress who looks that young. I mean, yeah. honestly, like I know people are saying like, I mean, he's an older dude. He's in his fifties. Yeah. 55. I yeah. Think. And, and people are kind of like, well, you know, like he looks young. So, you mm-hmm. know, and he's playing a guy who was that age and I get all that, but I don't think he looks young enough. So it just kind of felt creepy yeah. to me. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure, for sure. I do. Yeah, I had the the same kind of feeling with Jacob Landry Jones. Like, how is that guy related to somebody who looks <laughs> like Sarah? Right? He was. Uh-huh. He, I actually, I I enjoyed his scenes. I I enjoyed like I, when those things were happening with him uh, toward the middle of the movie. I was feeling a lot of tension there. Of like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, what's going to happen with this guy? Yeah. You know, and like, I don't know. I, I didn't have uh, a pacing issue. I thought there was enough energy in this movie that I was always like in it. Yeah, I feel really bad for Caleb Laundry Jones because he always plays like those scuzzy dudes that look like they never like took a bath in their lives. Yeah. And like, I just like, he's a really good actor. I think he's really good. Is he like I, British? Uh, I forget. I think he's actually like from the South because I remember he did some of them. Like the first time I noticed him was The Last Exorcism. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know he like did some like so the like, creepy in that. He did some like the banjo or something music during the score. So I think he's like from the South, if I remember correctly. But like he's like kind of played like more down to earth guys. Like I don't know if you ever saw Antiviral by David Cronenberg's son. No, no. 
that's like the one of the few times he did like a leading man role and he's like basically just like a normal guy that has like a little bit of an edge to him does he look like an amphibian in that no like he 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 almost looks like well kind of he looks like an amphibian in a suit if that makes sense like he he's more dressed down he doesn't look like he came from like the scuzziest scum of the earth like he does in this film what are you trying to say about louisiana right now because you got to be careful nothing I'm just saying he's a scuzzy guy. I think Louisiana is beautiful. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, all right. Let's let's get into our final thoughts. Let's grade this thing. I think we've, I think we've we've set a good case. I mean, I think we all at least enjoyed it. And then I have some extra things to say. But starting with you, Maverick Hines, uh, what are your final thoughts and grade for American Made? I think you shouldn't let this trailer detour you from seeing a movie that doesn't seem as appealing in that trailer uh give it a shot it's fun especially if you are remotely at all interested in like narcos or anything like that like i mentioned i think this is sure definitely a movie that uh can appeal to some of your interests colombian stuff is some of the strongest material here yeah for sure except for the guy they cast to play escobar which we didn't touch on he looks nothing like i was telling john it would have been so cool if they casted the same guy I mean, who played him pablo in the the show narcos but i mean it works there for he looks reason. closer yeah but uh, anyway, uh, I, I think, yeah, if, if you're at all interested in that that whole storyline and stuff like that, I think this is definitely worth checking out. And in general, I think it's an entertaining movie just to go see. So for me, it's it's a solid B+. Let's do your homework. And, you know, don't don't let this be your sole history lesson because it gets some, some things kind of ridiculously wrong. But uh, what about you, Will Ashton? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you on there, Maverick. Yeah, like they, they even stopped the movie kind of to be like look this is pablo escobar to be clear like i know it doesn't <laughs> yeah. look like him but this is who we are let's keep going uh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah overall i mean i wish i was as positive on it as you guys i just kind of walked away from it a little like um not underwhelmed but just kind of like that was fine for what it was i think it's certainly more entertaining than your average biopic but i just didn't walk away really wild by it i just felt like it was an enjoyable film I got, you know, my time well spent, but I didn't really feel like this was like a must-see or anything. I thought it was perfectly fine for what it is. It didn't really excel in any particular way. So I'll give it like a fine B-. minus. Hmm. All right. I'm Mr. Middle Ground, apparently. I, I give this thing a solid B. Uh, I think it comes really close to being a B+. Plus. Like, I want to get to the B+, plus, but I do think... With the exception of Donald Gleason, a lot of the performances here are just sort of okay. I think Tom Cruise kind of has to carry the entire movie, both to its strength and both to its like, you know, it it is a little bit of glossing over with the Barry Seal stuff. But I do really enjoy like all the, I, I do really enjoy that Doug Liman and Tom Cruise made a movie that was so adept at addressing a very controversial person. And I, I appreciate it on those levels. I just I have to knock it down a little bit because... Um, even though I don't think the movie is very long, like I really wasn't in it. I don't think it's a very rewatchable movie. I think it's kind mm -hmm. of a one trick pony almost. I think some of the techniques it use are flashy for sure. Um, th this is an example where the style is great, but the substance isn't quite up to par with it. It's close. Um, it's still a good B. Go check it out if you're at all interested. I think it, most people will enjoy this one for sure. And it's a good, it's a good two hours. All right. Well, that'll do it then for our featured review. Don't go away. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be coming back with our mini reviews. Hey, Cinemaholics, really quick. Uh, you might you might know him. You might love him. You might have never heard his name, but Sam Nolan is here with me. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, John. How about you? I, it's great to hear your voice. And for those of you who don't know, Sam and I used to be on the original podcast, is what I call it, Now Conspiring. Yes. But now, Sam, you went off and you did a spinoff podcast 
called Part-Time Characters. And we've talked about it on Cinemaholics before. Really? Yeah, we, we've talked about it. We did a whole we did a whole ad for you guys once. Like, hey, oh, guys, man. check it out. I'm, that must have been one of the the only episode of Cinemaholics that I skipped. So I apologize <laughs> for that. That's okay, because the bounce rate for when we got to the Part-Time Characters podcast, because they were so excited, they had to download yeah, it right away. I can tell. Uh, Our numbers <laughs> took a massive spike, I'm assuming. For those of you who don't know what Part-Time Characters is, I'm going to pretend that I don't. Sam, what is Part-Time Characters? Well, I'm glad you asked, Mr. Negroni. Part-Time Characters is our weekly podcast, uh, even though we took a brief hiatus this week, where myself, Maria Garcia, Bridget Surdock, and sometimes Adonis Gonzalez and Jenny Pan, we talk about movies like we're part-time employees in a video store. We just, we're just we just kind of yakking, and uh, we allow ourselves to go on all sorts of tangents. Usually, we'll start with uh, some sort of an opening segment just to sort of get things rolling, and then we'll get into our main segment, which is usually, lately we've been doing a lot of lists you know top three or top five lists or something and then uh, sometimes we'll talk about a new release if we feel like it. if we feel it's worth talking about then we'll do that but we mostly just like to have fun and talk and uh, interact with fans we read all the comments and uh, recently we've been getting a lot of fan letters too so we're expanding our fan interaction and we're really Wait, fan we're really letters. they're sending paper to you guys at this point well not digital paper. When I say letters, oh. I mean like email letters. Okay. So I should have okay. specified. I'm sorry. E letters. That's that's part of the charm of the show is that I mess things up a lot. Yeah, I, I miss doing a podcast with you, Sam. But I I love part time characters, and uh, I that's it. I, I'm going to stop pretending like I don't listen to the show. <laughs> uh, I think your most recent episode, you guys, it was a retro review episode. That's right. Uh, you guys covered Sound of Music, Yojimbo, and I think the Day the Earth stood still, right? That's right, and Fantastic Planet. A very, very weird animated movie from the early 70s. The Jenny watched, yeah. That's right. And do you guys ever, like, what kind of video store is this? I don't I don't get that part. This is just your your average neighborhood video store, like, uh, to use a sort of a pop culture reference. It's it's kind of like a Kevin Smith movie a little bit. Yeah. Like, if you've ever seen... Uh, yeah, that's, that's the one I was thinking of. I couldn't the pull the, the name. the should be. Yeah, man. Clerks, Clerks 4, the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, and then a little bit more of a contemporary reference. If you know that show, Family Guy, you know, a little indie show. Not a lot of people know about mm-hmm. that. And uh, that guy, Carl, who works in the video show. Uh, video show. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Video that's, store. That's you. That's that's, that's character, me. Yeah. Yes. The person who's actually seen stuff from before 1970. Um, Sam, I, I would say if any of you are interested in checking out part-time characters, if you're a fan of Cinema Hawks, especially one of the selling points, I'd say, are Sam's impressions. Well, some of them. Yeah. Which which one are you brandishing? Which one I haven't heard yet? One that you haven't heard yet. Oh, man. I don't know. There's You've heard most of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I could... Uh, I've I've done Gilbert Gottfried for you. I've done legendary uh, stuff. Yeah, I've done Gandalf. I've done Stewie Griffin. There are a few that I'm working on uh, that aren't quite there yet, like Jeff Goldblum, Norm Macdonald, and Al Pacino are the three that I'm focusing on right now. Okay, well, keep working on them. Don't don't want to blow the whistle, but uh, that's going to be no. happening soon, huh? Yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint. Uh, if do you do you want a little you want a little Stewie right now? Well, how about this? For the second part of the ad, we want to talk about uh, something really cool that happened this past weekend. Uh, my latest book, Killer Joy, a fantasy novel that we've talked about on Cinemaholics before. Two big news. Uh, first of all, it is now available in retailers. So you can actually go find Killer Joy at your local bookstore. If they don't have it, you can request it and, sit, and they can order it. And that would be super helpful for me because that would expand the reach of Killer Joy, which is great for everybody, I would hope. And uh, also, 
Killer Joy won an award, uh, the People's Book Awards. It won the acclaimed title. That was great news as well. Now, Sam, I think I think you have already tried to find Killer Joy at one or two stores. Is that correct? Yes, two to be exact. Two Barnes and Noble adjacent to my hometown that I don't want to disclose here. Yeah. So, so what happened, Sam? What ha- go through the the story. Well, I'll tell you. So I went, and this is pretty much the exact same thing happened for both of them. So I'll just tell the story. So I go into the store, I locate the help desk, which is not as easy of a thing as it sounds, Mm -hmm. because it's a very conspicuous desk located within the store. But I eventually find it and I go up and I say, hello, clerk. And the clerk says hello back. And then I say, do you have a book called Killer Joy? And then they say, well, let me look it up for you. What's Mm. the name of the author? And I being the sly person that I am, say, I don't know, John something, I believe. Mm. And they say, well, looks like I found it here. Would the author's name by chance be John Negroni? And I say, ah, yes, that's it. That's the name I couldn't quite pull. (laughs) And they say, we don't have it in stock right now, but what we could do is we can order a shipment of it and it will be delivered to the store. And I say, great. I will come back when the shipment arrives. Scene. Sam, you better go back because otherwise the help desk is going to change its name to not so trusting desk. Yes. Yeah. And that, that which has happened in a couple locations so far. I'm trying to keep it alive. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing that, Sam, and for being so supportive. And uh, in general, if you guys want to check out Killjoy, uh, it should be at your local store. And if not, you can walk through the same scenario. <laughs> you can just tell them my name. That's fine. Um, almost yeah. verbatim yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> all right well that'll that'll do it for ad sam is there is there anything else that you want to let our listeners know while you're here on cinemaholics for the first time well, i'm here on cinemaholics for hopefully not the first time the uh time wait, d- d- hopefully not for the last time is what i meant to say oh my goodness my <laughs> words are getting jumbled but anyways i suppose while i'm here i might as well plug my one social media account which is kind of a kind of a obscure website called letterboxd it's getting um, more popular yeah it is there's been a lot of uh, a lot of groundswell recently and i'm and i'm really happy about that it's basically a website where uh, you if you so choose you can log and or review every movie you watch when you watch it you can create lists follow other people have other people follow you you know comment on each other's it's it's just it's a really great website i go on it like hourly Mm -hmm. Uh, the community is really great. They're all really understanding and open minded people, which is, which is hard to find these days. And I think this is a really great website. It's spelled L E T T E R B O X D. So it's um, letterbox without the E at the end. Without the second E, the last E I should say. Right. There are three E's in the actual word of letterbox. The more, you know, anyways, and, uh, just look up my name, Sam Noland. It should be a picture of Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. And, Check that uh, out. And also Will yes. Ashton is on Letterboxd and you can, I know you, I, I read everything he writes and it's, it's very, very interesting things to say. All right. Well, be sure to check out part-time characters, the podcast, and, uh, and you can get even more out of Sam Noland as well as Maria Garcia and Bridget Surdock, Jenny Pan, and sometimes Adonis. <laughs> <laughs> that elusive so-and-so Adonis. All right, welcome back. It's time to do our mini reviews where we just cover a few of the things that we watched this week that we also want to fill you in on. And I'm going to start off with a movie that I wish could be our featured review, Battle of the Sexes. I'm not going to mince any words with you guys because they're mini reviews. Battle of the Sexes is one of my favorite movies of 2017. What? I, I honestly, I really, and I have a feeling that I'm going to be 
not joined by a lot of other people on this one. What? Well, well, I know you also saw the movie, right? Yeah, I did, yes. You did. So Me too. I, I am predicting... Did you, Maverick? No. I am okay. predicting that you're not going to like it quite as much as me. I walked out of this movie feeling just so refreshed as somebody who loves what a movie can be, um, what it can do, what it can say in so many different ways, not just through a story, but through performances and through soundtracks and through basic, like, basic editing and 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 subplots and everything about this movie comes together for me and uh just to introduce you guys to the plot and let will take it away from there um the movie was directed by jonathan dayton and valerie ferris they did uh little miss sunshine the most famous for they also did ruby sparks which i've never seen it's underrated uh, the paul dino yeah I'd, i would i want to check it out it came out like Gosh, like five yeah, years was, ago or um, something like that? Five or six years ago? Yeah, Zoe Kazan from The Big Sick. Yeah, she's yeah. In it, And she wrote it. And yeah, it, it's actually pretty underrated. I would want you to see it because I think it's a good film. It kind of breaks down the Manic Pixie Dream Girl stereotype in a very interesting way. Yeah, I remember so, hearing that when it came out. Yeah. And Ruby Sparks is something that I've uh, definitely heard of. Like People really enjoy and wish more people would have seen. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, Battle of the Sexes is uh, based loosely on the infamous, not even infamous, I mean just famous legendary if you want to call it tennis match between billy jean king and bobby riggs uh this was in 1973 the movie stars emma stone and steve carell who play the titular characters um i guess not titular but they're like you know, the centerpieces <laughs> the sexes <laughs> and, uh, if you will yeah yeah there are a <laughs> lot of other characters in this movie uh, a lot of big stars i mean sarah silverman has a huge role in this uh, alan cumming and bill pullman and i i could honestly go through the cast list and it would take a while uh it's a star-studded cast uh andrea riseborough though is in this and uh in a very i think understated role mm-hmm. and all right i've already said i've already kind of blown the whistle on what i think of this movie what about you will ash oh and elizabeth so, jo- sorry i gotta mention her oh yeah i mean definitely mention elizabeth Shue. she's great uh, I would say, well, all right. You predicted that I would not like as much as you. Yeah. Well, guess what, John? You are correct. <laughs> uh, I thought, <laughs> I, I thought it was all right. I mean, I, I just, I guess I wished I was that enthusiastic about the film. Ultimately, I was kind of like, that was fine. Like I did, I liked the message and I thought Emma Stone especially gave a really good performance. And, uh, what's her last name? Andrea Ryan. Reinsberg, she was great. Uh, Steve Carell was good, but kind of in a cartoonish way. Uh, Which that's was kind the of point. Like, yeah, but I, I mean, I, I think I liked it more than like in the big short where he was like cartoonish to a point where it was kind of distracting. Like this, it kind of fit his personality. Uh, or it would personality fit the real playing. character. I yeah, mean, it fit, exactly. It fit the yeah. real person. That, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, I guess I just felt like I was watching a stereotypical biopic, though. Just because like a lot of the big emotion moments felt really cheesy to me. I, I, I think it went down a little smoother because the cinematography is very naturalistic and there are some like uh, shots with them on the tennis field that look really good. Uh, except for some of the stuff at the beginning. I don't know what quite they're going for there with like the speedy cam thing. It looked kind of weird, but uh, it's very brief yeah. though. And I think yeah. I, I kind of get what it was going for and sort of setting right. the tone, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, mean, I, I would guess... say in terms of like this being a tennis movie, this is probably the best tennis movie I've seen in a long time. Oh, well somebody doesn't like Wimbledon. No, not really. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, that's the only tennis movie I can think of off the top of my head, except for that one that Andy Samberg made a couple weeks, like a year or two ago. Oh, there it is. That's the number one for sure. Oh, that one. Did you like that one? Um, no. <laughs> uh, Seven Days in Hell, I think it was called, or whatever. Did you see? Uh, did you ever see Borg McEnroe, the 
the one that's uh or that might not have come out yet i, I think it came out in like limited oh the Shia it was at vancouver international film festival yeah yeah i didn't see that one no i, I was in the tri or the toronto international film festival but i heard it wasn't that great Oh, uh no. yeah i mean i guess it's the best tennis movie in the past 10 years just because i can't think of anything better but um yeah i mean it, like I, I guess i don't really have that much to say because i just walked out of it kind of the same with like american made where it was like it was perfectly serviceable for what it was i mean it had a lot of heart which i really liked you could really tell that the directors were really putting their all into this emotionally I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't really see anything in here that I haven't seen in other films. Like though, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what you see in this movie. That you don't see in other films an Emma Stone performance that actually deserves an Oscar roasted because <laughs> I'm just saying La La Land was a fine film. One of my favorite uh, films of 2016. I, I thought in this movie, she does a much better job, but I, okay. Well, I'm going to say this. I was having that same feeling about halfway through battle of the sexes. I was like, man, this really does feel like a typical, biopic but the movie does something kind of incredible like the way that it's structured and composed that most biopics don't do i'm not going to say it's like a deconstruction of biopics because it's not it just reminds me of how good biopics can be how good they were before they started getting overdone before like the formula started to become a thing and we started to get just some of the most dry mundane oscar bait that we get and battle the sexes is not that movie there, there were so many things in the middle of this movie that I was, that was just hitting me. And the, it, it, I want to point out the reason I say it's such a great tennis movie is because the actual match that they have between uh, Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs for some, for a lot of people, they already know what's going to happen at the end of that match. It's a pretty famous thing, and a lot of people just they they know the true story, right? But to watch it unfold, the movie still delivers that tension in ways that are just so. I I would say kind of genius the way that like, even if you know what's going to happen, you still feel like every hit, you feel every volley, you feel every moment that happens. And I had a real experience with this film and I, I don't usually, so I, I, it bums me out. Well, cause I feel like you're a guy, I feel like we got to play some tennis together after this. All right. I'd be down. I'll just have to book a flight to LA <laughs> or to San Francisco. I apologize. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I will agree with you that I thought the second half of the film was better than the first half. I just, I don't know. I guess I just didn't quite feel that same tension. Maybe. I don't know. I just, I, I, like I said, I mean, I enjoyed the film all the way through for the most part. I just didn't quite have that same emotional wallop that you had. I just was like, yeah, that was basically what I expected to be. And they did a fine job and it might get one or two Oscar nominations and I'll forget about it next year. And that was, that's what it was for me. (laughs) I disagree, but but you know what? That's okay. I I do think that, um, this this has some of my favorite movie moments of the year, and I I heartily recommend it. I think that it's uh I think it's a fine film. I do understand like the criticisms, I guess, and I don't agree. But yeah, I one one thing I do want to ask, mm-hmm. and was the movie too long for you, or did you feel like it was the right length? Because it's it's a solid like two hours and like a minute, I think. Um, I felt a little antsy by the end, but that was only because the movie started an hour late for me. Oh, okay. so I was in the theater for like three hours. So I was just antsy to get out of the theater in general. But I think as far as the film itself was concerned, it was fine. Like hmm. I, I didn't have any problems with the length. All right. Well, that's Battle of the Sexes. Let's give our grades. Um, honestly, this this is my second A movie of the year. What? Number two. 
And I'm, I'm really I'm so happy about it because it was a movie that I went into not expecting that at all. It was a movie I was expecting, a typical biopic, the, you know, kind of like, a, oh, maybe this will be a uh, whatever movie, you know, I don't, I, I wasn't expecting something as good as like Little Miss Sunshine. I think it does reach that level. I love that movie as well. And uh, I fully recommend it. What about you all? Well, I agree with you, John. Little Miss Sunshine is a great film. Uh, <laughs> this is my second B minus for this episode. All right, so our average is a B plus, which is good enough, to, I'd say, to tell our listeners to check it out. Yeah, sure. Check it out. All right, Maverick, you saw a new special on Netflix called Jerry Before Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, walk us through, what is that one all about? So uh, this is a kind of like a, a hybrid between like Jerry Seinfeld's story and then also him doing it, um, a stand-up uh, show at the place where he got his start. Gotcha. Um, the one thing I can say about this is that it was more interesting than funny. Um, the reason I was compelled to keep watching was because it was really cool to learn about like what Sorry, it, it sounds like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, like I, I mean, it was like I liked it. I enjoyed it, but I, what I didn't like it because like oh, this is a hilarious comedy show. I liked it because it was really cool because he gave really good insight about like what it was like to be a comic in New York in the seventies and or eighties or whatever. However, I think it was seventies. Um, he also went through like he told the audience his first joke that he ever did that worked, and like his second joke that ever worked, and like all that kind of stuff. So that that stuff was really cool to kind of see like the history. It had a bunch of old clips from his early stand-ups. It like did some stuff at his childhood home. Um, there was one really cool scene where apparently something Seinfeld does is every time he has a like a bit that works, he writes it down on like, you know, those um yellow notebook yeah. no, notepads that you're about. He writes it down and then like he went to a street and he lined the street and it was like a city block. And he's like, these are all the jokes that I've ever told that worked ever from the time I started until this morning. I was like, that's kind of cool. And it was just like him sitting in the middle of it. So it was really artistic in Creative, that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was cool. Uh, as far as the actual stand up in the show goes, it, it was all right. There were a couple moments that were funny. A lot of it, like you have to be like an old, an old dude who grew up in New York to really appreciate most of it. Like a lot of the jokes are about New York fax machines. What? Yeah. Well, no, it was just like a lot of it's about like, Oh, you know the difference between the Bronx and long Island. And I was like, no, I, I don't. <laughs> like, I, he's like, you know what it's like to get a cab. And I was like, never in my life. Nope. Sorry. So <laughs> you're like, like, sorry, I'm in my Uber. I couldn't hear you. Well, he made a joke about Uber too, but it's just like, so a lot of the, the actual comedy bits that he was doing at the club were very centered to like, you have to kind of be Jerry Seinfeld to, <laughs> to know a lot of that. Um, but it was still like, I think, I think it's worth watching. It, it was really cool. Like I said, it was interesting to see a lot of the history of him and like, because I never watched Seinfeld the show growing up. I've never seen a stand up special by him, never been super interested in him um, as a comedian. So it was cool to kind of learn about this guy who's like, you know, so popular for being one of like the most famous comedians, um, ever really a little uh, successful yeah. yeah yeah and uh it was cool and there were like i don't want to bash it there were a couple funny moments in the show i watched it an hour ago and i couldn't tell you which one of them made me laugh it was just kind of like yeah that was funny you know what i mean did you like the show seinfeld i literally just said i've never watched it oh. okay i thought you were talking about like his specials no I, both like i've never gotcha, seen gotcha, him gotcha, doing comedy okay. show i, I mean I, I probably saw like an episode or two of seinfeld but like, it's all on I think now, it was just so right before. I'm, I'm still. I think it's a it. little young for me. <laughs> you know I mean, like, I, don't know. I, I always I mean, enjoy going through the Seinfeld seasons. I think. Yeah, I was gonna say, Maverick, we're the same age, and I like have watched most, if not all, of Seinfeld. Yeah, well, what else? Watch The Simpsons, Will. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, The Simpsons is still on TV. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which reminds me, uh, Maverick. Yes. Do they dress if um, Jerry get iPad in this special? 
What? You may not get this reference. Uh, no. There's a Twitter account called Seinfeld Modern. Oh, that just all it does one. is imagine what Seinfeld would be like today. I've done a few tweets like that. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. No, they didn't address it, it, that. Oh, okay. You should, like I, I said. Would, yeah. He mostly he does, addressed. He does like, they tweet out, I, mean, I guess you wouldn't like get the right, like they tweet it, they tweet out uh, Seinfeld episodes that like would be like in modern day. So like a Seinfeld episode about Snapchat. And there yeah. was a really good one he did about, uh, it, it was a whole episode of Seinfeld where like he goes to see a 3D movie, but uh, he loses his glasses, his 3D <laughs> glasses or something. And he, and the girl goes and watches it without him. It, it, it's funny stuff. Sounds yeah. great. I'm you sure. I mean, uh, he had a great one. He had a great, a great tweet today where it just said this week in Trump. And it was just a, a gif of Kramer that one episode where he pounds out the Puerto Rican flag after catching on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing because all of that stuff is actually devastating. My life. I know. I know. It's, um, it, 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 it's, you have to laugh or else you, you'd be crying right now. I mean, that's for, really how it is. So. For those of you who don't know, like my, my family, like, I have my, my entire family is in Puerto Rico and they don't have drinking water right now. So I'm kind of a mess, but yeah. Uh, yeah thanks for bringing that up. Will. Oh, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Will's like, okay, I'm done on the show now. Right. No. Anyway, make a few calls. Long story short. But, yeah. I, I think it's worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of Seinfeld, because it addresses yeah. a lot of his history and a lot of his coming up. Um, I just thought it was really cool how they brought in like his first jokes. They show some of his, like when he signed up for the audition for the first time. So yeah. a lot of the cool history, the club owners make a little uh, thing too. So, Really cool. We're checking out. I recommend if you guys have never checked it out, Comedians um, in Cars with Coffee. Uh, that's a fantastic series uh, where mm-hmm. Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, some of his best work um, since the show. Uh, you guys should check that out too. That's It's really funny. Um, I'm going to be checking out Jerry before Seinfeld tonight because I, I love me some Jerry Seinfeld. I love his humor. What's the deal? Uh, Will Ashen, take us into a, a brand new show on CBS, Star Trek Discovery. A little tough to watch because it's only available fully on CBS All Access. I think they are airing it too, but um, you have to watch... I think you have to watch like the second episode just on the app, I think. But yeah, uh, I think, yeah, yeah they, uh, they aired the first episode, the pilot on CBS, and I think that's all they're going to air. But it's a two parter, yeah, so you have to Something watch like the that. second one on the yeah. app. But anyway, uh, so this is the first Star Trek movie in a long time. And Will, first, are you a fan uh, of Star Trek? First Star Trek show, you mean, right? Yeah, sorry, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The last movie uh, was a year ago. I will say this about Star Trek. I came into this one kind of interested, and this is the reason why I accepted the assignment. Uh, for the site, we got this coverage because I've seen every Star Trek movie, but I've never really watched any Star Trek shows. So I have a kind of weird position with Star Trek where I do so like watch, it. Like, I just you talk about like Wrath of Khan, the original yeah. motion picture. Okay, yeah, like I've seen from motion picture to um, uh, what's the new one called? I think the latest before the reboots there was a uh, Nemesis, and then I think it no, 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 uh, the one that yeah, came well, out last Star year. Trek two thousand nine, and then yeah, then there's uh, Beyond. Beyond, Beyond is the most it, yeah. recent, yeah. Yeah, so I've seen from uh, the motion picture to Beyond, but I haven't watched really, I mean, except for a couple, like, I've, I've watched a little bit of The Next Generation, but beyond that, I haven't really watched too much of Star Trek. I grew Trek. up on that show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, like, for a lack of trying, I just don't really know where to begin. You should begin with Voyager. <laughs> Voyager? <laughs> is that considered, <laughs> yeah, okay. Voyager's uh, good stuff. Deep Space is Nine it? is good. Okay. I would, is, is I would there, say- like, one that's, like, not great, though? I forget. I think they all have their flaws, but I think sure. Next Generation is hard to get into because it's so dated at this point. But I thought yeah. Voyager and Deep Space Nine were good stuff, were pretty good for their time. But cool, yeah. I mean, if I were to watch one, I'd probably watch the the entirety of Next Generation. Yeah, uh, I'd, I would say go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, going into uh, this new one, uh, what's it called again? I Star Trek Discovery, right? 
<laughs> you seem to have uh, really loved it. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Um, so I did watch it, and afterwards, this is one of those times where after I saw the pilot, I was like, uh, oh god, I have to write about this. Just because, like, just based on the one episode that was given to me by CBS, I don't really have much of an opinion on the show. I will say it looks very good. Like, visually, yeah. I think it looks like almost like a movie, as far as the special effects budget's concerned, and the cinematography and all that. The production value, everything about that. It looks great. And I do like who they got for the lead actress. I think she is very charismatic and charming. And I feel bad they can't remember her name off the top it's of my head. So Nikwa something. I've heard her last name. Yeah, but she she's was from on Dead. Uh, either yeah, Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead. I know she was on one of those two. Walking Dead. She was a major okay. character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's very good. I think if there is a reason I'm going to if there's a reason I'm going to continue watching it, it's because of her because I think she is definitely going to carry this show. And also, um, uh, Guillermo del Toro's dude. The, the guy that does all the makeup stuff. He's in Shape of Water as well. Doug. Um, oh, um, Doug Jones. Doug Jones. There you go. Thank you. He's in the show and he has a pretty cool character. That, that was uh, the other thing I was going to say. I mean, it looks like the makeup is really good from like yeah. the camera from like pictures I've seen. But does it hold up? Yeah. I mean, like, I think I like everything from like a production value. I just don't think the story is anything we haven't seen before from Star Trek, at least as far as I've seen. Like, it's just kind of like what you expect. And I say that, I mean, considering that all the problems they had getting into this, because like there was a point where this show did not look like it was going to come out because yeah. the, they lost a showrunner, Brian Fuller, the guy that did Hannibal and Pushing Daisies and uh, American Gods. He dropped out of the show and they but were delayed. Didn't they still use some of his scripts? Yeah, he he's credited for writing the uh, pilot. Yeah, with, but um, I think Alex Kurtzman. Right, exactly. Also, yeah, he, yeah and he's like two Hollywood. equally great writers. It's a bit of. <laughs> bit of a pariah yeah uh yeah i mean you could definitely i i think that credit alone kind of describes the experience of watching star trek discovery it's like it's a mix of like some very like it, it's like some good ideas some great production values and some promise like good characters and stuff like that mixed with some really clunky dialogue and some like not great pacing like it's it, the show really needs to like hook you and that's why i was a little more critical of it in my reviews that like this is like a show that's you're expected to pay five ninety nine essentially to watch this show alone. That's kind of the same position that the Good Fight was in last year. That they're expecting you, based on this one show alone, to really kind of get you. Into but I'm the just going to say the Good Fight is one of the best shows on television. Right. So yeah. I would say that like yeah, it's worth it. Like if I was going to get another streaming service, which I'm probably not because I just you know yeah, it's, there's too many. But yeah. I I would get it like for those two shows alone. Um. Especially because, like, I even liked, uh, I mean, maybe this is the one you're talking about, but Enterprise, I kind of liked that. I mean, it was okay, maybe that's it. I know there's it's like kind of terrible, like, but yeah. yeah, I just know there's like one Star Trek show that's like frowned upon, at least. I mean, they're all frowned upon to an extent, really, except for the very first one. I mean, Next Generation, everybody loves Next Generation. Yeah, I was gonna say, everyone loves Next Generation. I mean, you mean like among like the popular cool kids and the jocks? Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, the they're jocks. all frowned upon. Yeah, they're the ones who just you know, like all Ma- your, your Maverick type, I guess it's frowned yeah. upon. I, I would say, though, like, what he I've here? heard... Maverick's here. He's hanging out. Yeah. What's up? Oh, you just, it sounded like you weren't there for a second. Are you a big Star Trek fan, Maverick? No. So you are, yeah. So I, I would say <laughs> that, like... <laughs> did you did you watch any of the Star Trek movies at all, or...? The newer ones. I watched the first one, I think. Yeah. The, Chris Pine. Uh, the one in 2009. And yeah. Did you I, watch in, in a Darkness? I think I watched In a Darkness. I think so. Okay. I didn't care that much. It was the so. one with Benedict Cumberbatch. In, into yes, darkness. I did. Yeah, he I played Khan or whatever, right? And he yeah. had a sick voice the whole time. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Beyond was okay, a bit better. 
I, I yeah, think a lot I mean, of people really liked Beyond. I wasn't quite as high up on that one. I think a lot of people liked it because it was a more traditional Star mm-hmm. Trek movie. Like, it was kind of what you expect from, like, The Search for Spock or something like that. Which I didn't it- want, to be honest, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought it was fine. I didn't, like, love it, like you said, like other people. Yeah. I was a little more entertained by the other two, but, I mean, it was fine. Like, I, I didn't dislike it. I just kind of found it a little unmemorable. And That's I really thought I that the first thing that you and I would agree on in an episode of Cinemaholics would be Star Trek Beyond. So that there's that. There we go. That's not the first thing we ever agreed on. Well, on this episode, it's about oh, like yeah, American see, made. Yeah. Great. Matt, Will, eh. Battle yeah. of the Sex is amazing. Will, eh. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, like uh, Star Trek Beyond, I mean, I, I appreciate it more than I wholeheartedly like it. So I gave it. Since I only saw the pilot and it was fine for what it was, I gave it like a B minus. But I mean, I'd have to see a couple more episodes to really give it like a firm grade. But yeah. just based on the pilot, it's it's okay. I just wish it was on CBS because I just don't really feel compelled to get CBS access just for this. I've heard that like the second episode ends on like the whole show apparently changes. So that that's probably about right. But I mean, it does say something when like the first part of the of a two parter doesn't work for you. That kind of says that they should have let you watch the first two episodes. Right. So. That's kind of where I'm at yeah. right now. So like maybe the second episode's like amazing. I don't know. Who knows? But yeah. All right. Well, that's Star Trek Discovery. Um, the last mini review we have for you guys is Stronger. Now, Stronger is a movie that Will has already reviewed. So I'm not going to like spend a ton of time on this one. I did finally catch it. Uh, it was one of my most anticipated fall movies. Uh, if you didn't listen to, I think it was last week's episode. We talked about it. Jake Gyllenhaal, Tatiana Maslany. Uh, I'll just say, you know, Ed David Gordon Green, of course, directed. I was going to say Jake Gyllenhaal, one of my favorite actors working today. I think he's one of the top 10 actors in Hollywood. I think he's one of the most interesting actors, period, man or woman. I think that he just, Every movie that he's in, I always watch because I always get something out of his performances. Even movies that aren't that great, like uh, Demolition last year. Mm-hmm. I just, I always just enjoy watching the guy work. I think he's really good at what he does. Tatiana Maslany, I think, is one of the best actresses today. I think she's one of the most underrated. Not Maybe not underrated, but she's one of the most underused. She's only been in a few movies. She has been killing on Orphan Black. I mean, if you've never seen that show, she it, it's unreal the amount of talent that this person has. And that she doesn't, she should have like movie deals lining up for like months. And this is a movie that benefits a lot from both of these performers in a movie that takes, and, and Will already got to a lot of it. So I'm not going to, you know, belabor it. But like he, you mentioned, Will, that you thought it, it surprised you with mm-hmm. how it kind of does seem like a, we've called something like this before already in this episode, but by the numbers biopic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the third one we're talking about. Yeah. And the way that like it presents Jeff ba- Bomber from uh, Bauman, I think Bauman, thank you from the Boston Massacre in 2013. For those you don't know, I was I was born in Worcester, Mass. Uh, you know, from the Massachusetts from from Massachusetts. It's something that like has always been pretty close to my mind in terms of that event and uh, these people. And it explores like it's a PTSD movie, basically. It, it explores the psychology of somebody who gets very famous very quickly while he's trying to cope with a, comp- a, a unbelievably traumatic experience, uh, both emotionally and physically. And the movie pulls zero punches. It's graphic. It's hard to watch. It hurts to watch. Uh, it's a movie that like had me tearing up. Uh, it, it was a movie that like I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it at times, uh, but in a good way. And I think that it's a movie that. You know, it's one of the better films in 
I'd say the last year that has like captured an event that happened recently, you know, I'm thinking of movies like Sully and Snowden uh-huh. and things like that, that are, you know, it's recent history. Uh, this was only four years ago. And, 9/11. but I think it, I think it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it tackles it in a very authentic way. And uh, yeah, Stronger is another one of my favorite movies of the year at this point. I gave the film an A minus. I think that uh, it should be watched by more people for sure. And uh, it's a hard R film. Um, and for mm-hmm. good reason, it's it's something that uh, I think they did a great job with, for sure. As what I th- I'm glad to see David Gordon Green making better movies. Um, well, I think you gave the movie like a B or a B plus. Yeah, it was right between there. I don't know. I I fluctuate back and forth. I yeah. mean, I I definitely liked the film a lot. I did have some criticisms with it, especially some of the stuff towards the end. Kind of rubbed me the wrong. Like that that scene with the baseball field just kind of that was like. Oh, uh, I love that. Oh, did you like that? Like oh, where the man. soldier yeah. came up and he was like. That was one of my favorite moments of the movie. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, man. Okay. Maybe I just don't like biopics. I don't think you do. They're not your thing. And and you know what? I do not blame you because I hate most biopics, but I love it when biopics are done well. And I think 2017 is going to be remembered as a movie with some better biopics. 2017? 2017, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean 2017 will be a year remembered? I think think it'll be a year, yeah, where we had uh, a good number of biopics that are actually pretty good and uh, worth checking out. So. Yeah, fingers crossed for your next couple of months i mean there's definitely a lot coming out we'll see if after. darkest hour yeah yeah lives up to that so isn't there one with benedict cumberbatch coming out too like or yeah edison the yeah. i forget what the movie's actually called but yeah he there's tesla and like a bunch of real life people in there mm-hmm. um anyway that that was stronger and uh that'll do it for our mini reviews uh we're working on a last call um uh, that we have not promised, but we've kind of suggested that we want to do. I know Maverick, you're so excited. We are going to be doing an entire episode of Last Call, a bonus episode devoted to BoJack Horseman. Woo! Not just season four. We're we're going to be talking about the entire show. We're going to be discussing like why we like it, why why we think it's worth checking. Why out. it's the best show on Netflix. <laughs> uh, be sure to listen for that one. Um, I think that like there'll be some, I think we'll probably divide it up. Like we'll do a, like you need to check out this show portion and then we're just going to go into it for like the people who've already seen it um, and talk about all spoilers for the entire series. Uh, so that'll be coming out soon, but until then uh, don't forget to support this podcast. If you want to support cinema it's super easy. Simply, you know, just go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, subscribe, rate us, leave a review. Um, if you have a problem with the show, or if you have like any sort of criticism or something you would like to see, send us an email: cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Go to the Facebook page. Facebook page. Uh, hang out with us. Uh, we're always on there. Uh, if you have any direct questions you want to ask on there, um, and if you want to get episodes as soon as they're coming out, and you want to, you know, do all that fun stuff, uh, you can do it there as well. And uh, I guess that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening and for uh, spending some time with us, Cinemaholics. Uh, We appreciate it. And it was a good episode, guys. I had a lot of fun. We talked a lot, a lot of movies and shows. Worked out, though. I think more good than bad stuff. We we did it, guys. (laughs) We've arrived. All right. Well, from the Internet California, I am John Agroni. And from the Internet Pennsylvania, I am Will Ashton. And from the Broadband Basement, I am Matt Ryan. See you next time, Schaefer.